So we're continuing this message series today on the book of James. It's week two, and I love James for many reasons, uh, one of which is that James is like really clear and direct. It's not hard to understand what he's saying, and I kind of need that in my life. I don't know about you, but it's very simple to understand what he's saying, but not always simple to do what he's telling us to do. And James is going to give us a hard challenge today, but it's one that I know it applies to me, and I think it applies to every single one of us. And I believe that if we can follow these words of the Lord, uh, that we can grow in our faith and our relationships with others. So uh, one of the tough challenges James gives us, it's right here in James uh, 119. In fact, why don't we read this one here together? You must all be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to get angry. Now there's a tough one right there, isn't it? Quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to become angry. We're usually better at like quick to speak, quick to get angry, and we wish everybody else would listen to us, right? James like, nope, we got to reverse it. We, our default should be listening, and then we will be a little bit slower to speak. We might have better understanding, and thus we're less likely to get in trouble with our anger. Not that anger is always bad, but the way that we express it can certainly be a problem. So today, we're going to focus on this kind of stuff. We're going to focus on our speech, which is a major theme in the book of James. We're going to talk about how our speech can be more honoring to the Lord. And as we, when we conclude today, we're going to wrap up with just some time of prayer, just striving to listen to the Lord. What does the Lord have to say to us about our speech And maybe about some things that have been said to us in our lives that have been hurtful or difficult. Uh, One of the things James will talk about here in a little bit is criticism. And I wanted to add one like just crystal clear point of clarity before I get into all this good stuff. Uh, We're in a process of of discerning our denominational future right now. And as as I was writing about criticism, I thought, ooh, this could be misunderstood. Because we've asked people to give feedback and input around this. And we've had small group meetings and emails and talks, all these kinds of things. And let me tell you, it's been so good. Like, I think it says a lot about the character of this church that as we take on something that's really a challenging conversation, I feel that from our church folks, it has been just 100% uh, positive. Um, Not in terms of like we all agree on everything, because we're a church, we have various opinions. But in the way that we communicate with each other and the way that we talk with each other, I feel has just been an awesome model for what that should be. So when I talk about criticism, I don't want anybody to think, wait a minute, is he talking about, uh, nope, that's not what we're talking about here, because that's been really, really helpful and healthy. But I bet that for most of us, probably all of us, we can point to various times in our life where our speech has not fully lived up to everything that God calls it to be, okay? And so because of that, I want to share with you just a few things um, from, about our speech from the book of James, okay? First of all, Uh, James teaches us that if you have an audience, then you have a responsibility, okay? If you have an audience, you have a responsibility. Chapter 3, verse 1. Dear brothers and sisters, not many of you should become teachers in the church, for we who teach will be judged by God with greater strictness. Jesus said it this way, to whom much is given, much is also expected. Now, maybe you're sitting here and you're like, whew, glad I'm not the guy giving the sermon today, right? Because if he screws up, he's in trouble. It says so right there, right? Well, true. You know, for those of us who teach, 
it is a responsibility. It's a responsibility we take very, very seriously. I can't tell you how seriously we take this. And it's something for which we should be held accountable. Because I don't stand up here and talk because somebody thought my ideas were better than others. That's simply not true. I, I only have one reason, one authority by which to even stand up here, and that's the Word of God. It's not me, it's the Word of God. That's all I've got that's worth sharing. And so I should be held accountable. Our pastors, we should be held accountable. Leaders, we should be held accountable to that. That's exactly what James is saying. And it doesn't mean that we don't want to do it as a result. It means that we take it very seriously. But, you know, when it talks about teachers, I think it extends beyond just people preaching, right? Maybe you have a life group and you teach there, or Sunday school class, or, um, or maybe you teach with uh, children or with teens. These are all teachers as well. I think, I think we could safely take this, though, outside of just the realm of the church. I think the same principle applies. If you've got an audience, you've got a responsibility. Do you have, are you a teacher at a school? Well, you've got an audience then, and you've got a responsibility for the way that, that you talk with them. Do you have employees, right? If so, well, you've got a responsibility, because the way that you speak to them will impact their life. I was talking with somebody in our church um, just this past week who was talking about that, and they said, if you're a supervisor, that you're probably, when somebody gets difficult news, you're probably the second or third person who knows about it in their whole life. Wow, that's, that's heavy. That's a significant responsibility. Your words not only shape them, but it, it shapes the culture of your company, right? And, and, and your folks. So your, your words really matter. If you have children or grandchildren, you have an audience. <laughs> like you have an audience that will sometimes embarrass you when they repeat what you say, right? You have an audience, and I bet you that most of us could remember things that were said to us by parental figures in our life, both incredibly good things and maybe some negative things as well. Those words matter. They matter so much. So if you've got an audience, you've got a responsibility. And it doesn't mean that we try to run away from that responsibility. No, it means we recognize it and we strive to use it for good, to use it to build God's kingdom. Second thing from James, if you can control the tongue, then you can control the whole body. Why? Because the tongue is the hardest thing to control, right? It's, I would bet most of us have gotten ourselves into more trouble by saying things we shouldn't than by, say, punching somebody, right? Like, like that's not good, don't do that either. But boy, words just come out so quickly and easily. And, and we often don't give thought to how, how hurtful or how damaging, or on the other side, how life-giving they could be. James chapter 3, verse 2. We all make many mistakes, but those who can control their tongues can control themselves in every other way. We can make a large horse turn around and go wherever we want by means of a small bit in its mouth. And a tiny rudder makes a huge ship turn where the pilot wants it to go, even though the winds are strong. So James is illustrating for us here, right? He's talking about in the ancient world, these were two things that they controlled, horses and ships. And just a little bit in the mouth of the horse or a relatively small rudder on that ship can change its entire direction. So if you've got control of the bit, you've got control of the horse. And our tongues are a little bit like this, 
not that our speech controls everything, but really the way that we talk, it does shape an awful lot of things. It's how we're known by others and experienced by others. It's, it's how we impact them in so many ways. So the way that you talk, yeah, that kind of directs your life. In, in fact, we could probably say that the tongue is like the steering wheel of our lives. It's like the steering wheel. That's what James is saying here. And if you've ever ridden in a car with somebody, as you probably have, their ability to drive, to run that steering wheel, has a lot to do with your peace of mind as you're riding with them, right? Maybe you've taught a teenage driver who's kind of new to this thing, right? And that makes you a little scared, right? Maybe you've ridden with a very competent driver and you don't even worry about it. I remember when a few years back, um, I got to go on like the adventure of a lifetime. It's always going to be like one of my favorite days, I think. My college roommate is a state trooper in Wisconsin, and I got to do a ride along with him one night, which I don't know, there's probably plenty of slow nights, and that's what we were having earlier on in the night. And I was kind of bummed because I was like, oh man, I really wanted to see some action, right? I wanted to see some stuff go down here, and I, we've just been writing a few tickets, and it's not that exciting. And then it happened. We got the call. We were sitting there running radar on, beside the interstate, and they called in, this is about 11.30 at night, that there was a drunk driver about three miles up ahead of us on the interstate, and he was heading for a construction zone where there were workers present. So it was a very serious danger. And so, so of course, we, got, we, we pulled out, and my, my roommate from college, he just starts flying. I mean, we are going so fast. I looked over at one point. We were going 130 miles an hour. And let me tell you, the telephone posts go by really, really quick at 130. I know some of you know from experience, but you don't have to admit that right now. So we are flying. And as we're getting closer to this construction zone, he sees the vehicle. But we're in the, we're in the left-hand lane, okay? And he sees the vehicle over a couple lanes in the right-hand lane. And, and you can see the guy is swerving, and the workers are not that far ahead of us. So he, he clicks on his lights in an attempt to get over. But what happens then is the drunk driver pulls onto the shoulder to try to get away from the police officer, right? So he's on the right shoulder, and we pull on to the left shoulder. And we're, we're zooming along here, right, as there's not much space to go. And I'm sitting here thinking, how are we going to get over to there? And before I can even have that thought, he whips the car right in front of this 18-wheeler. And I'm in the driver's side, right? So I'm like really close to this thing, <laughs> painfully close. And before I can even collect my thoughts on that scary thing, he pulls the nose of the car, the hood of the car, right in front of the drunk driver, right? And before I even have time to check my pants, my, my college roommate is out of the car, gun drawn, at the guy's window, <laughs> yelling at him, and everything's going to be okay. It was, we were literally a few hundred yards from where those workers were at. Could have saved lives that night. And you know, throughout that time, until the very last moment, I wasn't a bit scared. Even though there was a lot of danger, I wasn't worried because I knew that he knows what he's doing. He's got that steering wheel under control. He's been trained for this. He's experienced in this. He's not going to do something that's, that's going to, to, I hope, <laughs> lead to my destruction here, right? Because he knows what's going on. But on the other side of the road, there's a drunk guy, also with a steering wheel. And there may have been workers who didn't go home to their family that night if we weren't able to get there. You see, the person's ability to drive that thing makes all the difference. 
and we all speak, what are your words like? Are they life-giving? Are they life-saving? Are, are, do your words make a positive impact in, in people's lives? Or do others have to always worry about what you're going to say, that you might cause harm, that you might cause damage? Friend, we have an incredible responsibility, an incredible responsibility for our words. Our tongues are small, and our words may seem to be of small importance. We speak them, and they're gone just as quick as we put them out there. But that's not really how it works. No, we all remember those things that have been said to us. Things, great things and not great things. Amazing things and incredibly painful things. I bet for all of us there have been words that have been spoken to us maybe years or even decades ago that we can still remember that changed our life one way or another. In fact, let's just do a little exercise. Would you just close your, your eyes with me? Nothing weird is going to happen. We're just going to just go down a little memory lane here. What are some words that have been spoken to you that have changed your life? Maybe it was something like, welcome to the company. We're so glad to have you on board. Will you marry me? We're going to have a baby. You're fired. This marriage is over. The tests are back and you're cancer free. The test results came back and um, we need to talk. You've saved enough so that you can retire. I hate you. I love you. God, may the words of our mouth and the meditations of our heart be acceptable and honoring to you, O oh Lord, for you are our strength and our redeemer. Amen. You can open your eyes. Words matter. They really do. For better or for worse, your words matter. Maybe you're sitting here thinking, yeah, I, I'm not that important of a person. No, your words matter. Your words matter. If you've got an audience, you've got a responsibility. Your words can give life, or they can hurt, maim, and even kill a person's spirit. It can hurt so badly. We all answer to God for the way that we talk. And, you know, the thing is, in our world today, it's really popular to be a critic, right? Because, especially social media, whatever, we've all got a platform really easy, and it's really popular to put others on blast and just criticize. And, and the thing is, it's, it's kind of like, it's like casting stones, right? And number three from James we get, if, if you're looking for rocks to throw, <laughs> there will, you will always find a pile, okay? If you want to find stuff to criticize, it's not that hard. You can go to your favorite restaurant and find something you don't like that day, right? Or, or you can go into some place that you, you like, whatever. It's easy to find something to criticize. You can go somewhere new and you can criticize that. You can, you can be in a relationship with somebody and you can choose every single day to have a critical negative tone. And, and, and hear me, there's a place for criticism. There's a place 
for good, healthy criticism. But our mission should not be just to tear others down. Verse 5. So also, the tongue is a small thing, but what enormous damage it can do. A tiny spark can, be set, can set a great forest on fire. And the tongue is also a flame of fire. It's full of wickedness that can ruin your whole life. It can turn the entire course of your life into a blazing flame of destruction. For it is set on fire by hell itself. Ouch. James does not pull any punches here. He says, your speech can, be, can make you like a, oh, a blazing fire of destruction. Maybe you've seen a fire get out of control. On, uh, it was July 13th, 2021, in rural California, there was a, a tree, that, a dead tree that fell onto a power line, causing it to spark. And those sparks would lead to an incredible fire, the Dixie Fire, that would burn over a million, right about a million acres of land and cost over $637 million worth of damage. It's an expensive spark, don't you think? Likewise, words can be like sparks. You may think you're just saying something, but you may start a fire that burns, that hurts, that causes destruction. In every situation, we can be a critic if we want. But I encourage us to to check ourselves before we do that. Teddy Roosevelt said it this way. This is a little long, but it's worth it. He said, it's not the critic who counts. And, and we've got to forgive Teddy here. He's speaking uh, in a less gender-inclusive way as a while back here. It's not the critic who counts, not the man who points out how the strong man stumbles or where the doer of deeds could have done them better. The, critic belo- or the credit belongs to the man who's actually in the arena, whose face is marred by dust and sweat and blood, who strives valiantly, who errs, who comes up short again and again because there's no effort without error and shortcoming, but who, actually do, who does actually strive to do the deeds, who knows the great enthusiasm, the great devotion, who spends himself in a worthy cause, who at the best knows, that at the, end, knows the triumph at the high of achievement, and who at the worst, if he fails, at least fails while daring greatly, so that his place shall never be with those cold and timid souls who neither know victory or defeat. I like that. You can sit back and criticize anything, but why not do something? Why not get in the ring and make a positive difference? Why, why not do something? What if, what if you were able to look, because we need to kind of sort here. There's, there's healthy criticism, good criticism, and we need to hear that and, and, and take that to heart. There again, quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to become angry, maybe slow to be defensive. We need to take in healthy criticism, but there's also unhealthy criticism. That which is spoken, uh, maybe things that aren't true, or maybe things that are just intended to hurt What if, maybe if you've got some of that in your heart, and maybe for some of us we've heard some unhealthy criticism, and we've chosen just to like take ourselves out. Like, you know what? Then I'm just not going to do it. I'm just not going to do anything. If somebody wants to complain about it, I've got other stuff to do. I don't need this. I don't have time for it. Maybe that's not the best choice. Maybe, Maybe it's worth looking at that and saying, you know what? 
That's not true. That's not healthy. It's not who I am, and and I'm not going to let that take me out of the game. I'm not going to stop trying because somebody criticized me. I'm not going to stop leading because somebody criticized me. We need to say, I'm not going to let that criticism ruin my job. I'm not going to just just go into kind of quiet quit mode and not really try. No, I, I'm going to like put some effort out here because that's what I'm called to do. I, I'm not going to let this criticism ruin my family. I'm not going to let this cr- criticism ruin my marriage. I'm not going to let this criticism ruin my place of work. No, I, I, I'm going to stand up for what's truth. What's true. Friends, while there's healthy criticism to be given, let us be cautious in how we do it. Let us be wise and respectful in how we do it. Because if you're just sitting on the sidelines of life, chucking rocks at everybody else, just giving criticism to everything else that's going on, you want to be careful with that. Because the fact is, there's a pile of rocks for you too. There's a pile of rocks for every single one of us. None of us are perfect, not even close. And we've got to be careful about how we use criticism. Sometimes the most spiritual thing we might do is just to zip it. Sometimes. You know the old childhood saying, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words may never hurt me. <laughs> That's a lie. Sorry if your mom or dad told you. I'm not trying to put them down, but it's just a lie. Words do hurt. They do matter. And we have a responsibility not just our mouth, but social media is a great example, right? Social media is an easy way to put stuff out there, and it can be used for so many great things. It has so much amazing potential, but also so much bad potential. We've got to watch what we're posting. Did you know there's like paid services that there are out there now that you can contract to like clean up your social media so that you could actually go get a job or something like that? Because they, if you look back and you've got things you're embarrassed by. Well, It's not that easy with our words. You can't just pay somebody to go and clean up all the damage that your words have done. We've got a responsibility. We've got a high responsibility with our speech, whether it's verbal, whether it's written, social media, whatever it may be. Because why, number four, if you are a follower of Jesus, then you are called to be consistent in your speech. Consistent. Hear what James has to say. People can tame all kinds of animals and birds and reptiles and fish, but no one can tame the tongue. It's an uncontrollable evil full of deadly poison. Sometimes it praises our Lord and Father. Sometimes it breaks out in curses against those who have been made in the image of God. So blessing and cursing come pouring out of the same mouth. Surely, my brothers and sisters, this is not right. Does a spring of water bubble out both fresh and bitter water? Can you pick olives from a fig tree or figs from a grapevine? Nope. And you can't draw fresh water from a salty pool. James gets right to the core issue here. Because maybe you've been sitting here and you're thinking, okay, I just, I just need to work on my talking. Just need to, okay, that's a piece, but that's kind of like talking about the cough, not the cold. Okay? Because James is really clear here with what he's saying. Speech is a matter of the heart not a matter of the mouth, okay? It's a matter of the heart. That's what it's all about. Jesus said it this way. A good person produces good things from the treasury of a good heart, and an evil person produces evil things from the treasury of an evil heart. What you say is flowing from what is in your heart. If you're having problems with your speech, 
Look here first. What are you putting into your heart? What things are you taking in? Because many of us, we're filling our hearts and our minds with a lot of garbage. And then we're surprised when it comes out at others. What are you putting in your heart? Because you only get, you only get one life. What do you want to put in there? How are our words going to impact others? If you're hearing stuff come out of your mouth that's unduly critical, even hateful, judgmental, racist, arrogant, start here. What's in here? Maybe we've made the wrong diagnosis. Maybe we need Jesus to come in and to, to heal our hearts. And out of that's going to flow some different speech. So I'm going to take a moment and just pray now. And I want to invite us to just listen to the Lord. Because I believe that God wants to do a healing work in our hearts. So would you pray with me? Come, Holy Spirit. We want to listen to your voice right now. I pray, God, that you would shut out all the other distractions right now. Just take us to a special sacred place with you. Lord, I know there are many in this room who are bearing deep wounds because of words that have been spoken. Maybe it was words by our parents, other parental figures. Maybe it was a teacher or a coach, a boss. Maybe it was an ex. Maybe it was a kid. Maybe it was who knows what. Lord, we're hurting, and we need your healing touch. I pray, God, that by the power of your Holy Spirit, that you would bring a supernatural healing in our hearts that only you can bring. I pray that you would give back that which the locusts have destroyed in our lives. I pray that you would bind up the brokenhearted. You promised you would do that. I pray for the one who has been limited for years because of things that they've heard. God, I pray for freedom. I pray for supernatural freedom that can only come by the power of your Holy Spirit. Set them free today. Free us for joyful obedience to you and your word, God. I pray for the one who, maybe early on in life, heard a lot of negative stuff from parents. Heavenly Father, would you be their parent right now? Speak words of truth. But Lord, you love us. You created us. And if any person be in Jesus Christ, that person is a new creation. 
the old is past and the new has come. So won't you do it, Lord? Won't you heal and touch and restore us? And Lord, for some of us, those hurts are other things that we've taken into our heart. We've, as a result, our speech hasn't been so great either. We'd be embarrassed if some of the things that we say would be broadcasted in this room. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would convict us of sin. We just want to confess these things in our heart to you right now. God, we praise you that in the name of Jesus Christ, we are forgiven. Forgiven. We don't deserve it. We couldn't earn it. Our words have done so much damage and destruction that there's no way we could go back and fix it. God, we're praying that you would do that. You are almighty God. You are all-powerful. Won't you do just that, God? Would you show us how to speak differently, God? We just want to listen to you. How do we need to speak differently to our families, our spouse, our kids? parents our co-workers our boss our employees Jesus we want you to be Lord over everything and that includes our speech won't you do that won't you do that that truly we can experience your kingdom come, your will be done here on earth as it is in heaven. God, may our words, would you use our words somehow to bring that about? It's gonna take a miracle, but that's what you do, God. I pray that people who know folks from Anderson Hills would know us as a people who speaks words of love, kindness, compassion, grace, that we speak the truth in love. For that's how you speak to us, God. Lord, we love you so much. And we pray all of this in your son Jesus' name. Amen.